0: Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. I'm on the staff team here at ABC. Um, And I don't know about you, uh, but I resonate quite strongly with this packing the car for a camping trip. Okay. Um, As a family, we've gone on a few camping trips now. Any campers in the room? Anybody like to camp? Can I see any hands? A few hands, lots of shaking heads. Excellent. I feel like camping is a bit of a Marmite moment, I think. You either love it or you hate it. Uh, I I get that from the people that I talk to. Um, And as a family, uh, we've been going camping now for several years. uh, And we're going on a couple of trips this summer. But our first camping trips weren't quite as smooth as we would have hoped, especially when it came to sleeping. Uh, now, we have two little girls who are four and seven. Uh, they were a bit younger on the first trip that we went on, as you can see from the photo. Uh, the girls were naturally super, super excited about camping. They were running around. We don't want to go to bed. This is amazing. There's grass outside the door, and it's amazing. And they were super, super excited. But eventually, they calmed down, and eventually, they went to sleep. And me and my wife, Christina, thought, yes. That actually went not too bad, it went all right. So we sat down, we got the cards out and we started playing cards. Uh, My wife's literally going to kill me for using that photo, (laughs) but it's okay. Um, So then we decided, oh hello, Uh, we decided then we were going to go to bed, right? So we got tucked up in our sleeping bags, went off to sleep. The problem came, the real problem came in the middle of the night. Uh, so we stir in our sleeping bags because Lydia, our eldest, is awake and she cannot see a thing. It is pitch black. She's stumbling around. She's paddling at the side of the tent. She literally falls flat on top of her sister, Annabelle, who did not like that at all. <laughs> so now everybody is awake. Lydia is worried. She's afraid. She can't see anything. Me and my wife had to, had to pull her back to her bed because she was right in the corner of the tent. It was mostly my wife, I'm going to have to say. I didn't, didn't have much to play in that story. Uh, but see, it was not a good situation. And we were thinking to ourselves, how are we going to help Lydia? How are we going to help her? How are we going to help? Annabelle? keeps getting flattened by her big sister. And this problem continued for several mini camping trips that we were doing. So Lydia would get afraid and worried. She was scared in the dark. She didn't know where she was. And we didn't know what to do. So we were thinking for solutions. How are we going to solve this? How are we going to fix this problem? We'll come back to that story a bit later on. But do you ever feel like the world is a bit of a dark place sometimes? Do you ever feel like you might be in Lydia's experience there where she's, she's stumbling around. She's not quite sure of what's going on. She can't find her place. She's afraid. She's worried. Across the globe, things that we hear about on the news, things that we see on the news, maybe things even closer to home, situations in our own lives that might seem dark or difficult, maybe something we're going through right now. I know several people that I chat to (coughs) actually stopped watching the news because it always seemed to be bad and it made them anxious. For others of us, it might be a little bit more subconscious. Maybe we're so involved in our families and, and our circle of friends, the things, the activities going on in our lives that we maybe don't get to see or hear about the bigger picture of the world. What is going on across the world? I myself, I think, fall into that camp. I get so tunnel vision on our daily life. But I think it's important that we sometimes stop and reflect on the bigger picture of the world and some of these darker situations that go on across the globe, even though it's hard sometimes and we don't want to look at the darkness. I think it's important. Statistics that say 719 million people, almost 10% of the world's population live in poverty. This number had been dropping over the last three decades, but after COVID and the war in Ukraine that still rumbles on, it's pushed it right back up. Almost 50 million people across the world live in slavery, such as forced labour, forced marriages. 160 million children around the world are engaged in child labour. That's one in 10 kids worldwide. By the end of 2021, people displaced by war and violence and persecution, human rights abuses, that total stood at 89 million people. 100 million marine animals die each year from the plastic that we shove in the sea. There's been five consecutive failed rainy seasons across Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia. 36 million people facing the worst drought and hunger for decades. Here in the UK, in 2021, there were 5,219 registered suicides, more than 700,000 across the world. One in six UK adults experienced a common mental disorder such as depression or anxiety in the past week, and one in six children between six and 16 experienced the same. These are just some big world over statistics. but. We all know people in our lives, don't we, in our circles of friends and family who might be fighting a horrible disease or who have experienced painful relationship breakdown personally or someone we know. We don't have to look very far to see difficult situations, do we, and hard situations around us in the world. So in this darkness that we don't really want to look at but we need to think about sometimes, where do we find hope? Where do we find hope to face this darkness and a real hope that can sustain us in it all? Who or what do we cling on to when it's dark to reorientate ourselves? Who can we trust and what makes them trustworthy? Do we find hope in the future in things like our career or our bank balance? Do we find hope in the people that we follow on social media or friends or family? Do they give us hope? Who or what out there are we Trusting. Now Lydia, in the tent, in the pitch black of night, she trusted me and Christina, her parents. But as we grow older, we all realise, don't we, that parents can't always be there in those dark moments. And speaking as a parent, I do not know all the answers. (laughs) And I might try to figure out what to do in every situation, but I don't know all the answers. Our parents aren't perfect, are they? We know this. But if there was a perfect parent that existed, who could be with us all the time, who knew everything about everything. That sounds pretty good, right? What if that perfect parent turned out to be the creator of everything, a heavenly parent, a heavenly father? I don't know about your experiences of God and faith. I don't know whether you believe that God is even real. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're completely sold on it already, and you would call yourself a Jesus follower today. Someone who believed 100% in a perfect heavenly father was a guy named Paul. Paul was one of the early followers of Jesus about 2,000 years ago who traveled around a lot. He wasn't your average person, okay? Think about that jet-setting friend, that person that seems to fly here, there, and everywhere. They've experienced everything. They know what it's all about. That's kind of a bit like what Paul was like. He'd seen so many situations. That is the equivalent of Paul, except he didn't go in a plane. He sailed in a ship. Now, Paul had been shipwrecked several times. He'd been in prison, and he'd been beaten so many times just for following Jesus, just for being a Christian. So Paul has seen some stuff. He's not your average Joe. And Paul wrote letters to churches all over the land. And he wanted to write these letters as a way of encouraging them and building them up in their faith. It's not like the letters I would write. Hey, granny, you know, I'm great. I'm doing well. Weather's fine. Hope you're well. Yours sincerely, Chris. These letters are serious, serious works of um, of real literature, really long, but we're going to, we're going to pick one of those today. And like I said, Paul uses these letters to encourage people in their faith. Paul wants to tell us the amazing things that Jesus has done, the amazing things that God calls us into, and how we can be encouraged to do the same. So we're going to look at a portion of Paul's letter to a church in Rome in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament. So we join the letter just after Paul has been saying how incredible it is to be a Jesus follower, how he's found freedom and acceptance from following Jesus in the midst of his troubles, in the midst of the shipwreck and the prison and being beaten. He has found hope. So then we come to our portion of the letter, where Paul starts sharing that yes, life in a relationship with God is amazing, but that doesn't mean it automatically turns everything into roses and sunshine. I believe Paul wants to highlight for us four key things, four key ways of finding hope in a sometimes dark and difficult world. Let's explore them now. So, Paul starts like this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now this first little piece here that I've highlighted in blue, this is a little bit of a spoiler actually. I needed to include it, but this is a little bit of a spoiler, so we'll come back to that later. Just remind me so I don't forget. Right? So the first thing really that we want to pull out of this is creation is broken. Okay. Creation is broken. It's subject to frustration. It's in bondage and decay, okay? He wants us to know that it's broken, but he also wants us to know why it's broken. That is important here because it says, not by its own choice. So to understand why it's broken, we need to skip back, jump back to the first bit in God's story in the Bible, and I'll summarize it for us now. So God made this perfect world. right? It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was glorious. It was perfect. And God gave humans a chance and the honor of enjoying that with him for eternity. We were meant to live forever. Our bodies were perfect. They were not going to break down. We weren't going to get old. We weren't going to you know, hobble along. Our bodies were going to be perfect. And we were made to be in authentic relationship with God. He gave us free will so we could have that authentic relationship with him. But as humankind, we chose to put our own desires and interests above what was right. And we've been doing that ever since, right? Humans have been doing that ever since. And this selfishness, which the Bible calls sin, tore into God's world. God's perfect world began to be damaged and corrupted, and we became corrupted and damaged too. Everything in creation began to break down. Death and decay now affected everything. God's creation, our bodies, beauty fades, and loveliness withers because of selfish decisions. So creation, the world is broken, but Paul is also saying here that it won't stay broken. It won't stay in darkness forever. One day it will be liberated from its bondage. One day it will be free in glory. So Paul is saying that it won't always be this way. Now what it's saying here is basically code for God's promise to us, God's promise to everyone, that eventually he will remake heaven and earth into a beautiful and pain-free, hurt-free, illness-free place, evil-free place, amazing eternity for us to be restored by God. So Paul is wanting us to know that, yes, the world is broken. We see that around us, right? But not forever. Next, Paul moves on to talk about us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies, for this is the hope we were saved. For in this hope, we were saved. I can't read. Um, So Paul is wanting us to know that the world is broken, but not forever. But also that we are broken. Okay. This is the groaning inwardly part here. So we are broken. When we see things around us in the world, situations, hard situations that we think, oh God, why is this happening? Why are you letting this happen? We are groaning inwardly because of the brokenness. Do you ever see something like that around you and you just think, why is this so hard? Paul is saying that we need this penny to drop in our minds, that we are broken. As people, we are broken. And there is brokenness within us that makes us groan sometimes, but not forever. You see, Paul points out that promise of God again, that promise of restoration, that promise that God is going to remake heaven and earth, that promise that everything will be all right in the end. We'll be perfectly restored in a new heaven, in our eternity bodies. But there will be groaning in the meantime. And that promise is for those who were saved. So what does that mean? It's really important. So it means the promise is for those who put their trust in God, those who put their trust in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross for us, people who choose to follow Jesus here on earth. So the world is broken, but not forever. And we are broken, but not forever. So if you're anything like me at this stage, you are thinking, well, what happens in the meantime? Am I just going to live broken? Do I get to just groan and walk around stumbling in the darkness? That's not a great kind of existence, is it? Well, Paul doesn't stop here, thankfully. And we need to reread this verse again, but with a different lens on. So, here we go. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit i pause it there. So, using a different lens, we can see that Paul mentions something called the first fruits of the Spirit. What's that? Well, when people decide to start following Jesus, when people decide to trust God, God gives us a gift, an amazing gift that lives inside of us. It's actually part of God, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying there that the gift of the Holy Spirit is like a deposit, like a first portion of the amazing, amazing things that are coming in the future. A taste of what God's restored kingdom is like, a taste of heaven, a taste of God's amazing goodness and love and peace and contentment and joy. We can experience all those things today even in the broken world, even in our broken bodies. How amazing is that? We can experience that today. Paul goes on to explain one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Paul and Christians all over the world believe that the Holy Spirit helps us, okay, and guides us and gives us strength for life. I personally have experienced that in my life, and millions of Christians would say the same all across the world. In these groaning moments, when we look around and we think, what is going on? Why is this so broken? Paul says the Spirit knows exactly what to pray on our behalf and literally calls out to God, we don't have to utter a word, and God is moving inside of us in these dark moments. So, although we live in a broken world, and we ourselves are broken, if we trust in God, we're not alone in the dark. And Paul goes on to help us unpack how God is at work in our lives throughout the good times and the bad times. It says. And we know that in in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul is saying that in all things, everything, every moment, every day, every week, all the time, nonstop, God is at work. Without a shadow of a doubt, God's bringing hope, God's bringing love, life, pushing back at this dark world. And what does it mean that God works for our good. We all want good in our lives, right? Well, it's a promise about a big picture good, an ultimate good, rather than an individual situational good. So we might be praying really hard that we get that promotion at work, or our children would make lots of friends at school, or that our relationship with our partner might improve, or that our friend's diagnosis would come back clear. And God might answer these prayers in the way we hope, but he isn't promising our situational good. He isn't promising us, unfortunately, lots of money and tons of friends for our kids, or that our relationships will be happy, or even that we'll be physically healthy. But rather, God is promising us big picture good, which brings us closer to him, and he knows what's good for us. I don't know about you guys, but I don't always know what's good for me. (laughs) Sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't. But I, I trust that God knows what is good for me. We don't have to be very old in our lives, do we, to be able to see that the things we thought were a disaster at the time actually worked out for some good. Things we thought were disappointments worked out as greater blessings. Now, I don't want to trivialise some of the truly dark and desperate situations we find ourselves in, especially when we might lose someone dear to us. Those are truly horrific situations that God would never, ever want for us. But years later, I myself, after having lost somebody dear to me, have been able to see where God was at work right in the middle of the darkness and the pain and the mess and the suffering of loss. I could eventually say to God, I don't understand it, God. I don't understand why that was so difficult. How you allowed that to happen, God, I don't get it and it hurts me and I don't like it, but I trust you, God. I trust you are with me and still working for my ultimate good. Tragic things happen in a broken world. But God is still at work right in the middle of it, wanting to bring good. So what does it mean for those who love him? Well, those with a connection to him. I know that we would want everyone to get good and we would would wish good on everyone. But only those who are connected to God and connected to him can receive those things. Those with a connection to him who have chosen to accept the lifeline that Jesus throws us to get back in relationship with God. God longs to work in everyone's life. He wants to bring good to everybody's life. No matter who we are or what we've done, he longs to bring good to us. But he also respects our free will. And those who choose to walk separate from God have made a choice which God respects. That never stops him from reaching out to us, though, all the time, constantly, every second of every day. Now, I saw this next slide recently on the subject of perspective, and I think it's helpful. When you see this jumble of words, I wonder what you see. Do you see God is nowhere? Or do you see God is now here? In our lives, are we expecting God to bring good from a dark situation and a difficult situation because he's with us, or have we told ourselves that we're alone and we have no hope? Even when we go through tough times because the world is broken and because we are broken, God is always at work for our good, but we have to trust him. So. If we trust God in the darkness of the world and the dark situations that we find ourselves in, how is this hope firm? How can we find this firm hope? And Paul says what we can expect here. Is that right? I feel like there's another thing. Yes. Hold on. Not that one. I'm going to read it out. Sorry. (laughs) Go back to the other slide. So this is the last piece that Paul says in his letter. Okay. He is wanting to land this with us. Paul says, what then shall we respond about in these things? Okay. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present or future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Even in a broken world, nothing separates us from God's healing, his restoration, his amazing love, and what Jesus has done for us. What a promise. So, how did we help Lydia to be okay when she stirred in the night, in the pitch black, in the tent, how did we help her? Well, most of you have probably already thought of the solution. I'm I'm ashamed to say it took us quite a long time. We gave her a little nightlight. I mean, it would be obvious to you. But basically, a little bit of light in the tent so she could see, okay? We put a little light on. She could see her surroundings. She could see her bed. She could see that we were nearby. Her family was there with her in the dark. She was reassured that she wasn't alone in the darkness. And she knew that the sun would rise in the morning. I just want to pop back to these four points. The world is. That's the one. The world is broken, but not forever. We are broken, but not forever. We're not alone in the dark and God is always at work. Now, I promised you I'd just get back to the next verse and here it comes. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> uh, let's hop back to this first verse, OK, and just see what it has for us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So these words, eager expectation, okay, in the original language that this was written, these words paint a picture. They paint a picture of someone in kind of like this stance. Think of them eagerly looking at the horizon, okay. So they are eagerly scanning the horizon for the first signs of the breaking dawn, the glorious light, the warmth of daybreak, like it shows in this picture. They're eagerly scanning the horizon. Creation, and those who would call ourselves Christians, are waiting eagerly for that final dawn to break, right? That final dawn when God's going to restore heaven, restore earth, restore our bodies, bring everything back to good. But until that final break of dawn, we experience smaller daybreaks in our lives through God's gift of the Holy Spirit. God is bringing his daybreak to fight the darkness of this world through followers of Jesus. Now maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian today, but you're in a bit of a desperate situation or there's some darkness in your life and you are yearning for the dawn to break in that situation. I would ask you, does your current source of hope sustain you in those difficult moments in life? Or are you looking for something more, a stronger hope? Are you looking for a trustworthy companion to give you strength and show you a glimpse of what the world was supposed to be like, what the human experience was supposed to be like before it got broken? You can start that journey today and see a glimpse of daybreak today by putting your trust in God and asking for his Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. If you're a Christian, a Jesus follower today, You already have been given the Holy Spirit inside of you, an amazing companion full of strength and joy and love and hope, a first portion of that dawn breaking. But the most amazing thing about God, it's not about one person. God is for everyone. He wants everyone to have this goodness, everyone to have this dawn breaking in their lives. And we need to be passing it on to the next and the next and the next. We aren't saved by Jesus in our lives just to sit here and go, oh, this is lovely. I'm full of joy and peace and hope and all the good things and just sit there and be okay with that. We are called to go out. Our our broken world is waiting for hope. There are broken people all around us in need of hope. Christians, I'm including myself in this statement, we need to follow Jesus' example and bring daybreak that's inside of us, into the dark situations that we see around us. Throughout the ages, when people have brought the daybreak of God, when people have brought that daybreak into the darkest places in our world, we have seen hope grow. The abolition movement of the slave trade in the 1800s through figures like William Wilberforce, the forming of the international organisations like United Nations after World War II, focusing on nurturing peace in our world. The end of apartheid and racism in, in South Africa through figures such as Nelson Mandela. Countless charities springing up all over the globe, fighting for people who find themselves in difficult and dark situations. There are moments of God's daybreak in our world, all over the globe, where we see glimpses of God's healing and His hope. Let's chase after them. Let's be people who bring the dawn wherever. We go. Let's pray together. Lord, we look around us sometimes, and sometimes we shut our eyes because we don't want to see the darkness that's there. And it hurts us to look at it. And it hurts us when we experience it in our lives, Lord. But it is there, but it's not forever. And we are broken, Lord. We know that we are broken sometimes, Lord, when we struggle in relationships and we struggle with things in our lives and we just groan and we say, Lord, why is it so hard? Why is this so difficult? But it's not forever. Lord, I want to pray for those of us this morning who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, who are exploring faith, who wouldn't call themselves a Christian. I pray that you would you would be calling them forward, Lord. I pray that people in this room that might, and online, Lord, that might not follow you, would just reach out to you, Lord, today for the first time, that you would bless them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would bless them with hope in this dark world. Lord, I pray for any of us who might be in a dark situation right now. We're struggling with what to do, or we see someone we love going through a hard situation and we don't know what to do. I pray that you'd show us the breaking dawn in that situation. I pray that you would help us to go into that situation with the Holy Spirit that you've put inside of us. To bring dawn, to bring light into that place. And Lord, I pray for us who are Christians, Lord God. That we wouldn't just sit and be comfortable in in the things that you've blessed us with. But you would give us courage and boldness to take that breaking dawn within us into the dark places, Lord we can see light and hope and things change in a world that so often can feel dark. Thank you that it's not going to be dark forever, Lord. Thank you that you have the overall victory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.